Welcome back, everybody, to the Future North podcast, Future of the North podcast. I'm so excited to have my coworker. <laughs> oh my gosh. I know, that's going to be like the last time you say that. I know. Okay, I'm going to have to do it. My name is Jalise Keating, and I am your host. And today, sitting across from me, I don't want to cry. Is don't my, cry. I'm sorry. My coworker. Someone who has become like so dear to me, Rafi Filardo. What's up? <laughs> oh my gosh, Rafi. Don't know. So no, I no. am the community engagement coordinator, unfortunately, leaving Future North. Um, I like to say that because I don't want people to think that I'm leaving because I don't like my job because that's usually why you leave a job. Yeah. And I'm like, no, not no, the case. Not it's at really all. just because funding for the future is so uncertain. And I'm like, I need a job. That's it. Yeah. That's it. It's just, I don't know if what's going to happen in the next few months. Uh, I need a job. And yeah. that's the only reason why I'm leaving. Uh, for those of you who do not know, Future North is a nonprofit charity organization based in Sudbury, Ontario. And just like other nonprofits within the well, anywhere really, um, funding is there, but there's no, there's never any guarantee that you're going to get funding, or that you're going to be able to secure multi-year funding for your organization. I had to explain that to my dad. Because we were in the car and he was like, didn't understand the struggle with grants. And he's like, but why don't they say yes? Like, you guys have such a good program. I'm like, it's a competition. Yeah. That doesn't mean we're going to get it. And he's like, yeah, but like, do you just get funding and like, you're good? And I was like, for like a year, maybe. And it's varying amounts. Sometimes it's like 5K. Sometimes it's like 100K. So it's like, okay, 5K pays for a project. Right. And then you got to look for more funding. Yeah. And then now that he works, well, he's on the board for nonprofit. He's mm-hmm. like, oh, I get it now. Like the socks. <laughs> I'm like, you yeah. put all of your energy into writing a grant just to send it off and cross your fingers. That's Basically. It. And for them to be like, oh, I'm so sorry. You do not qualify for this grant because we, we don't lot, like your program. Or like we had a lot of candidates and you were like a great cat like thing, blah, blah, blah. But like, unfortunately, we gave it to somebody else. And we're not going to tell you why or how yeah. you can do better. Yeah. Or like, what was the reasoning that like ours was slightly weaker than somebody else? Like, I think the funniest one we've heard thus far is like, oh, you're requesting too much money. What you're requesting is out of our budget, and we can't afford that. We really like your proposal, so if you can just bring it down, yes. like, 35 grand, that would be great. I actually <laughs> forgot about that one. I think I blocked it out. And it was just like, we charged you for what you are asking us to do. Right. That is the number. If you want to negotiate, sure. But, like, 35K? Yeah. You're, that's going to be, that's you're gonna be, not going to get what you wanted. No. Nope. Oh, man. Oh, and Speaking man. of stress around money. Oh, my gosh. Okay, so <laughs> Julie said I was in charge of picking a topic, and I was trying to think of something <laughs> that, like, wasn't redundant, or, like, I've explained so many times. So we're going to talk about anxiety. I'm and, like, excited. my journey. I'm really excited. Okay, so I'll get I'll get us started. So back background. Yeah. My mom has anxiety and depression. 
Okay? She's been diagnosed. She did therapy. She did... She's on medication. Like, she's super athletic. Like, she takes care of herself. She was running marathons, like, in her 40s. Wow. While struggling with this. So she's what we call, like, a high-functioning person with a mental illness. Yeah. My dad and my sister, nothing. They are, like totally fine <laughs> they're extroverted they're natural leaders wow they're always down to like do something new like they've gone bungee jumping and stuff no. and i am my mother's child we are homebodies we are hermits we are introverted we can talk your ear off for three hours and then we don't want to see anybody for three days <laughs> um and then I didn't get the depression from her, but I did get the anxiety. Mm. So growing up, my mom always kind of like kept an eye on us because it's hereditary. Yeah. It's just, it just happens, yeah. right? And she didn't blame herself because a lot of parents will blame themselves. She was very like, c'est la vie. Um, no parent is perfect. I'm not going to be that, but I can do my best. Yeah. And she fought a lot of like generational trauma, all this stuff because her parents not supportive at all so she was very like alone in her journey mm. unfortunately um and when she met my dad was when she was like on the like getting better yeah like, that's when she was like really taking care of herself which really came from leaving switzerland and coming to canada because <laughs> it's just a very different culture and everything yeah. and getting away from a stressful family so anyways so she always kind of kept an eye on us um my sister who's five years older totally fine like never had anything wow and then to me um realized a few years ago that i was showing lots of signs but Mm. they weren't obvious in the sense that like everybody experiences their mental illness in their own way yeah so what my mom had gone through was still going through was different from how i was doing things which is why like it was missed essentially Mm. But does that mean, like, I accept that as an answer or that I'm okay with it? Like, no. Because no. you're still like, <laughs> but my life could have been so much so different if, like, yeah. if only, if only, if only. Like, right. the in hindsight thing. Um, but then I'll tell the story of how I got diagnosed because then I can go back to, like, my childhood. Yeah. So long story short, uh, I was turning 24. Okay, so I was like, I want to have a birthday. Yeah. yeah. And I had this whole idea that I was going to do an outdoor movie. Okay. Ooh. It was like, our, our backyard is perfectly set up. There's like the patio and everything. And yeah. then there's like a grass patch. And the wall by the grass patch has two windows. I was like, I just have to go to the window, put yeah. a sheet and put a brick on top and I'm done. It was very, very easy. So I just got a sheet um folded it over and like roughly sewed that fed a string um put a brick down tied the string to it yeah did the other end done like it was that easy okay it was fine always wanted to do that (laughs) totally fine (laughs) so then i was like friends coming over and i had gotten like a projector and like all this stuff yeah and i just had to measure the distance from like the window to the other window Mm. just to see like how big of a sheet I needed. Like, I don't know, what kind of sheet? Uh, How much rope do I need? Like all this stuff. So um, we're having dinner 
blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, hey, dad, can you come help me outside? I just yeah. need to like measure this thing with some tape. He's like, okay. So we go outside and I was very much in the mindset, this is my project. I don't really need help. I know what I'm doing. I just need somebody for this five second thing. Right. And I like purposefully gave the tape measurer mm-hmm. where the other person has to like pull the tab and then oh. you're the one that has like the measurement yep. so that I could write it in my phone or like remember it. So I like purposely gave it a specific way. So let's yeah. say like it's this scrunchie. I'm and giving it like, to you like this. And then I take it and I just reel it out. Right? What he did, like not consciously, was he grabbed it here oh. and gave me the other end. Because that was just like his natural instinct of like, he's built a deck before. Like, that's just what he does. Yeah. And I don't know why, was just like, <laughs> and I was like, but I wanted to do it. And he's like, what does it matter? Yeah. Like, who cares? And I was like, no, no, but like, this is like my project. I like, I wanted to. He's like, Rafi, let's just measure it. Like, who cares? I am in a weird space. So we measure it, and I'm very like conscious of like, I'm not feeling good. Mm-hmm. I'm not feeling great. Mm-hmm. I need to go relax. Yeah. I go into my room, and I try watching something, but I still have like this like heavy feeling. So I'm like, I'm gonna go take a hot shower. Let's go like clear my mind, self-care, do something that I enjoy, you know, things like that. I take a shower, I'm still feeling the same way. And it's like two hours have gone by and this feeling is like staying there. It's just not going away. Two hours? Two hours. Yeah, yeah, because I like (laughs) spent an hour in my room trying to chill Yeah. and then took a shower and then, you know, like got dressed and everything and then was still like, Mm. so my parents were in the basement watching tv and i'm like i think i'm at a point where i can't help myself because it's not working yeah everything that i'm doing is what people would normally tell you to do right it's not doing anything so i went to go see my parents i was like i'm at a point i'm an adult i still need my parents sometimes (laughs) listen okay so i go up to them and just like my body language is like, I'm like this. I'm like all like tensed up. Yeah. I'm like, it's very clear that like, I'm not relaxed whatsoever. My parents are like, what's up? And I'm like, I'm not feeling good. Mm. So I like sit on the couch next to them. And I'm like, I know this is gonna sound ridiculous. I know it, but I really need you to like, not say it's ridiculous because I know that's gonna throw me off the edge. Yeah. And they're like, well, what is it? What is it? And um, I tell them the stupid tape measure thing. <laughs> <laughs> and you wanna know if somebody tells you, don't do this, They'll don't do, do it. it. Because they did the exact opposite. Yeah. Where they went, why are you being so dramatic? Why are you making such, such a big deal out of this? Like, it's not a big deal. Just relax. You're putting yourself, like, into a fit. Blah, 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 blah. Yeah. And then, worst thing. Like, that's like, don't do that to somebody who's anxious. It'll just rip them apart. So I brought my, like, knees up to my chest, which is, as you probably know, psychologically, it's like a way of, like, protecting yourself. Protecting yourself, yeah. Because it's like the fetal position when you're, like, curled up protects, like, your organs, which are 
like if you get hurt there you're gonna die yeah so it's like something that we do without really thinking of it it's protective and i'm crying and i'm trying to say like i know i like i don't i don't know why i'm feeling this way i just am and my dad's like like you're overreacting blah 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 like i don't get it this and that and my mom sees like how i'm reacting so she's like you need to relax so she comes and sits by me and she's like lay down on the couch like do you want a blanket and i'm like nope nope like don't touch me i'm like super super defensive i'm like don't touch me and then she goes put your knees down like lay down and she like tries to you know like push my knees knees down and i like pull them in tighter and i'm like no 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 she's like why why she just wants to help and i go like because it makes me feel safe Mm. and there was something about that because they both like just stopped and looked at me that it was like our kid doesn't feel safe like what are you what do you mean? wait what yeah so after that it took a bit of a turn i eventually got out of that and that was like a full-blown anxiety attack mm-hmm. i could still one of the big symptoms is like you can't breathe um i usually just hyperventilate i don't like have that yeah and i'm like crying and i'm all over the place so eventually i get out of it and life kind of like goes back to normal Mm -hmm. and then the next day i have my party and everything's fine um but then we go for a walk with the dog like a few days later yeah and uh my mom comes up beside me and she's like um i think it's time that you talk to a doctor Mm. like let's talk about what happened the other night because like that wasn't good and i was like yeah she's like yeah i'm like okay (laughs) um because she was right i needed that push because for so long i was like yeah but i'm not that anxious yeah but mm. it's not like keeping me from doing like regular daily stuff like it's right. not the job and stuff yeah i'm, I'm not still like functioning i'm still functioning yeah. i'm not having panic attacks all the time i'm fine and then my mom very good advice said write down everything that you felt when you have anxiety attack because oftentimes we forget by the time we get the doctor's appointment and as I was writing it out, I was like, oh, mm. this is something big. Like, this is not a little thing. Because as I was writing it, I was also remembering other times where I had had panic attacks, um, which weren't frequent. There were maybe like three up to that point. But then it also made me think about like my day-to-day life and then my childhood, which for my childhood, I was always like a very sick kid. I was always sick. I was always going to the principal's office. I was always like trying to get out of going to school. And my parents were just like, yeah, you're sick. And it was always like nausea and a headache. That's always what it was. Oh. And then after figuring it out about anxiety, I was like, that's not me being sick. That is my body saying, if you're not going to process this mentally, you're going to process this physically. Yep. Because I was too young to, like... Be like, I'm anxious. I'm anxious. I can control my emotions. No. It's like sixth grade. <laughs> With what frontal lobe. With, yeah, exactly. <laughs> With what frontal lobe. So then it was like, wait a second. So all those years of being sick was actually me just being super anxious. Yeah. Because I got bullied in elementary school. Like a lot of us did. Kids are mean. They are. They Even are now. Even now. <laughs> 13-year-old girls are the worst, man. They're horrible. <laughs> They're horrible. And 
funny enough, I stopped getting sick when I went to high school and I had a lot of friends and I was hanging out with friends and I was doing like art and I had a good crew and I stopped getting sick. Modes of expression. Exactly. So then that made a lot of sense. And then, so I make a doctor's appointment and it's a phone interview because it's still like kind of COVID-ish. Mm. Um, so it's a phone interview and I'm like okay that's a little bit more comfortable so I get the call we're chatting and they say like we're gonna go over like a quiz and you're gonna tell me in the last two weeks have you felt this like every day some days maybe a couple times or like never mm-hmm. <laughs> every answer was like most days or every day <laughs> And there was one where it was like, do people often say you're too sensitive or dramatic or you can't take a joke? And I was just like, oh, I've been told that my entire life. And again, it was like flashbacks to like being at the dinner table yeah. and me freaking out for some reason. And my parents and my sister just being like, I don't get it. Like what? Just calm down. Yeah. Like, why are you losing your mind? And to me, it was like, maybe I am too sensitive. But I couldn't control it because I was a child. Couldn't control it. I, you can tell yourself, like, okay, stop crying, stop crying. But and when then, does like, that actually work? When does that actually work? And then you think about something, and you're like, ah! And you start crying some more. <laughs> <laughs> right? Like, that's just how it is, especially for me. Yeah. So I did, the, I did the exam, the test, quiz, whatever. And he was like, yeah, so you have generalized anxiety. Mm-hmm. Like, absolutely. It's not social anxiety. I like, I'm fine with public speaking. I did it so much in college. I'm fine like in groups of people. It's nothing specific. Yeah. It's it's generalized. It's just a little bit all over the place. So they were like, they gave me some apps and like online stuff that I could use for like cognitive behavior therapy, things like that. I kind of checked them out, but some of them were kind of cool. Some of them eh, wasn't really for me, but they put me on medication. And I was like, do it, like fix me. Yeah. So they put me on escitalopram. So what they do is that they give you like five milligrams for like the first week to really like ease you in and start your symptoms, like your side effects pretty chill, which like side effects are like headaches and nausea. Like you just kind of feel kind of weird. Um, the first day I took them, I couldn't go to work. Because I was so spaced out. I was like, I can't process like two plus two in my head. Like it was just like complete brain fog. It felt like I was like floating, like just hovering over stuff. And I was like, I shouldn't be driving. Mm -mm. I shouldn't like leave the house. This is not good. And that was just the first day. After that, it was like, oh, this is fine. And then after that, I went on 10 milligrams after like the first week. Yeah. And after a few days, I told my mom, and I was like, feels like somebody just like turn the volume down in my head mm. like instead of having a hundred voices of like self-doubt and what about this and what about that and what about this it was like oh there's three and I can process that yeah and then a lot of like small habits that I had went away so I used to be really really bad for like checking if I locked the door like six times like checking if I locked my car 12 times yeah and like pulling on it being like it's locked it's locked look you can see it's locked walk a few steps be like wait let me just check again stop doing that it was just like this weird compulsive thing i had and then things started to get a lot better 
my personal life was getting a lot better because I met somebody who I'm with today. Yeah. Um, and I was kind of like going through all of this while meeting somebody new. So I almost ghosted him. <laughs> so I was like, I'm kind of like <laughs> figuring out my whole life. I don't really have the energy to like put into somebody else. Yeah. Um, so I wasn't talking to him. And then every few days, he would send me one message, just one, and said like, hey, hope you have a great day today. That was really smart on you, by the way. Good job. That was it. That was it. So there was no pressure. It yeah. wasn't creepy. No. It wasn't like, why aren't you answering me? Blah, 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 after we've talked for like three days. Yeah. Nothing like that. It was just a simple message. And I went, he's too nice. I gotta like, I'll just be honest. Oh. So I told him, I was like, I got diagnosed with anxiety. I'm kind of like figuring out my whole life. And he was like, same. (laughs) (laughs) He was like, yeah, like I have a history of mental health issues as well. I've been to Mm. therapy and stuff. And I was like, oh my gosh. So then that like unlocked a whole other topic for us. Yeah. And then now it was like, we understand each other on a different level. So then during the summer, it was like, I'm on meds. I'm figuring out my life. I'm starting a new relationship. Things are going good. That was like a lot better. Mm-hmm. The other thing is when you have a diagnosis, people will take you seriously. Because mm-hmm. it's not you're being too dramatic. It's she has anxiety. Yeah. She can't control it. So my parents got a lot better and it really changed how like things were going on in the house. Because mm-hmm. if I would say, this is making me feel not good it'd be like oh okay let's like fix this yeah so like we were talking before the podcast i have really bad like auditory sense stuff i'm also get really carsick so i think it's just something wrong with my internal ear Mm. who knows um so yeah i'm really bad for that so i would get annoyed when like i'm having a conversation with my dad and my mom's vacuuming and the tv's on yeah i hated that my dad's like what's what's the big deal but then when I got diagnosed and I would say that, he's like, oh, okay, let's like just turn off, turn off the TV. Yeah. Or let's just wait to like keep talking until mom's like done vacuuming. Like it, things shifted. Yeah. Um, my sister found out who like she's older, again, no mental health issues. And she was too. She just like stared at me on FaceTime like, oh. <laughs> and I think for her too, it was like things kind of make sense now. Yeah. Um, like why I was a certain way growing up because not, I don't want to put words in my sister's mouth, but it was always like, I was the, always the one that had to like be taken care of. Mm. Cause it's like, Rafi doesn't like sleepovers. Rafi, um, misses school a lot and has to catch up. Rafi, this, this, this. Rafi's right. going to cry. And then it was like, oh, but it's like out of her control. And I would say that I'd say like, it's like the snowball going down the hill. It's like, there's a certain point where it's like, you can stop the snowball and be like, okay, this is good. Yeah. But after a while, it's like, this thing is going to just barrel through you and there's no stopping it. And I was like, that's what the anxiety attacks feel like. It's like, mm. I'm emotional. I'm not feeling well. Hmm. Let me stop. Examine why I feel this way. Take care of myself. All good. And then sometimes it's like, I'm just going to go lose my mind. Mm. And that happened twice on medication. So medication is not like a perfect fix. No. It'll just lessen your symptoms. Yes. It's usually what I say. Can we explain that a little bit yeah. for those who don't understand? So, or don't 
know the experience they yes. don't have that lived experience so for our audience um when a person is prescribed medication for something like anxiety mm-hmm. it varies based on the person but it can take two weeks to two months to get adjusted to it and while you're body is adjusting because it's a chemical that interacts with your brain to help with your anxiety Mm -hmm. there's a lot of changes that can happen like for rafi it was a the dose was too high so they had to drop it down the dose was good it just my body like had a funny reaction at first oh it was just like what is this and then after that i was good and i actually ended up going to 20 milligrams because because your your doctor will check in like every yes. like few yeah. weeks they're like how are you doing with your meds yeah and then for two years well still to this day i'm still on 20 yeah like 20 is the average like what most people with anxiety get and yeah. that's what i was on and escitalopram is like your first step yeah because i think you can only go up to 20 what i've been told and that too like my mom was kept asking me because she's changed medication a few times mm. and even just through her life because she was going through different events so some medications weren't working anymore some were working a little bit too much and then like she's older now like she just she's turning 63 mm. so it's like you're older um you've gone through menopause you're not producing estrogen anymore your the chemicals changes. are different yeah so she had to start new medication mm. right so that's another thing is like people get really frustrated when they get diagnosed because they're like oh it's not working oh it's making me feel really weird oh this yeah. and this and this and it's like your body has to adjust your body has to adjust you haven't found the right one for you right it just takes time it sucks i'm like struggling with it now which i can get into later um <laughs> But yeah, like, it's doesn't always work. Yeah, and that's fine. It just takes patience and a good doctor. There you go, a patient doctor. Oh my goodness, yes. Because you got to be a patient patient, but you mm-hmm. also need a patient doctor. Yes. Oh my goodness. Who's listening to you? Yeah. And not just, and also gives you the information because there are there are individuals who have the lived experience of being put on medication and not having the explanation of, hey, your body has to adjust to this. Like mm-hmm. it's gonna take time. If it's not making you feel well, yeah. we'll check in. We'll talk about it. Yeah. We'll we'll find something that works for you. So, it it takes time. It does, and it takes adjustment as well. Yeah, I find like we don't realize that a lot. We don't realize it until like we've lived through it. So like yeah. I've had two knee surgeries. So like I know what rehab looks like, and everybody kind of thinks like yeah, you do surgery and then you're better. And it's like no, you're gonna spend at least eight weeks like struggling like i had like a full like brace on um couldn't drive you know can't really like shower like things like that and then because you don't use those muscles for eight weeks which i don't know feels normal it's just like yeah okay your muscles shrivel up yeah (laughs) i had to relearn because i had two knee surgeries so i had to relearn twice how to use stairs because my thigh muscles weren't working because it, they weren't picking up my knee anymore to move it because mm. I was in a brace. So it was my hip doing all the work. And that's so a lot when of I, pressure on your hip. So when I tried to lift my knee to go up a step, it was just like, no. <laughs> and it's such a weird feeling because you're like, you think of something and your body just does it. Yeah. And then you're like, oh, um, I can't do a bridge because I'm just like not flexible enough. Like that's why. But when it's something that you can do and your body is just like, 
Yeah, but I don't remember. It's such a weird feeling. <laughs> so like it it takes a lot of time and like for my knee it was like six months rehab. And even then, like you're still feeling the consequences. Yeah. It takes time. A lot of people are just like, you're not better yet? It's like, no. no. It's the same thing with mental health. Yeah. A lot of people are like, yeah, but like you're on medication now, like you're fine. And I'm like It's not an immediate fix. No, you still live with it. You still go through like different phases of your life mm-hmm. and need different things and everything, right? And then learning a lot about yourself. So I'm very messy room, messy brain. Yes. So same. I need my space clean. Yep. But when you live with roommates, they don't have the same needs as you or the same level of needs for cleanliness. So I was always the one that was kind of like, I need it to a certain level or else I kind of feel like I'm going crazy. Like That's why I don't have any roommates because I can't do, I can't deal with it. <laughs> yeah, no, now I live with like just my partner and the only issue that we have is that we have a lot of like doubles of things. Like we have two colanders oh. and like things like that. So I'm like, I do eventually want to start getting rid of it. Um, our kitchen is also extremely small. Mm. We have room for six mugs. And of course, like you get gifted a mug here and there. So we have like 12 and I'm like, I can't use all 12. No. I was like, we each get to pick a few mugs. Yeah. We'll use those. <laughs> yeah. So it's, you know, we have like six mugs. So I'm like, I got to either figure out what I'm putting in storage or what I'm like actually just going to give away. Like two colanders. We don't need two colanders. No. Okay, so, anyways, yeah, I want to know, like, because hindsight is twenty twenty. Mm-hmm. So, but is it though? Like, I kind of feel like we're all blind, but that's besides <laughs> the point. Um, <laughs> now that you have been living with anxiety, like, it's not like you haven't been, but mm-hmm. you understand it more now. Looking back into your adolescence, childhood. Are you better able to identify like the starting symptoms? Oh, yes. And because of that, it's actually become a bit of like a superpower. Yeah. Move this a little bit closer. Um, a little bit of a superpower because now when other people say like, oh, I live with this, I'm like, that's anxiety. They're like, what? I'm like, that's what I had. That's anxiety. So the big one is you're not processing it mentally, you're processing it physically. So a good example is my partner. Yeah. Um, so he used to work at Tesis. So that it's in Sudbury, or it used to be in Sudbury. We think that it might have closed. Oh. Anyways, Tesis <laughs> is a credit card like customer service. Yeah. It's for they were doing TD and this clients in the states, so it's not even Canadian. Yeah. So it's I was not a fan. It's very capitalistic very you're a cog in the machine like they time like your bathroom breaks like it's horrible yikes you have to have so much time like a max of like two minutes between calls you have 30 seconds to like take notes but you can't have any like paper and pens because it's credit cards so you can't have like like, your phone anything so everything is on a computer which is fine and then if you work from home you have to have like your own internet router all this stuff it's very like secure Hmm. but it's customer service the customer service is very hit or miss and always he had one customer that lost it on him and it was basically like it was black friday and her card wasn't working and it's because she hadn't paid her bill <laughs> so he's like you can't do anything to help like you. There, there's nothing you can do it's pay your bill and then it'll get fixed but until yeah. you pay it it's not gonna work it's also friday night so it's not gonna get processed until monday, monday. So she lost it. 
and she was saying some very hurtful things like you need to take a good look in the mirror and like re-question your life and like jump off a bridge like ma'am to you need to, to take somebody, a good look at your finances. to somebody who has mental health issues oh, to somebody who has depression so he came home we weren't living together so he like texts me and i'm yeah. like oh my goodness and he was not good and then after that um the the supervisors like you know they kind of take care of it and everything like they do what they can yeah um but then after that he started getting really sick in the mornings like mm. throwing up and i was like i think that's anxiety i think you're too anxious to go to work because yeah. you have this really bad situation yeah and you're getting sick and he was in denial of course um, <laughs> and it got to the point like he was getting so sick that like he went on sick leave because it was like so consistent that it was like i'm gonna go see a doctor um so during that time i was living alone so i was like come live with me for like a week or two like i'll i'll be working i'll be in the office but it was like then you don't have to deal with roommates you get to just play video games all day you hang out with my cat like it'll be fine yeah and then um it was then he, he was better like it wasn't happening and then he was like i think it's my job and i'm like i kind of told you so <laughs> uh and then he quit and he has a new job and then it stopped wow the throwing up stuff so yeah. it was it was very like it's your body is traumatized from the situation so your body is trying to keep you away from that situation yeah because we think that we're so in control of our bodies uh-huh. it, it does a lot of stuff like for you so yeah. that that's a big one um the getting sick the other one i was really bad for this um when you're interested in somebody you get kind of crazy where it's like they haven't texted me back in like two hours and it was like that's not normal and i knew somebody who did that and i really was like that's exactly how i was and you self-sabotage yourself because you're getting too attached too quickly yeah and the other person's just vibing they're just like yeah you're a cool person and you're like but what about and it's like that person is going uh yeah no that's too intense for me i'm Um, sorry you did that and the first thing i thought was orange cat like yes (laughs) yes so that's one it's because you kind of see like hope and you want it so badly and you're getting so excited which is when i met my partner Mm. i was like I'm going to take it slow. I'm going to go easy. Um, we met online too. Um, so I was like, I'm not going to say we're dating until we meet in person, even though he wanted to, even though we were talking on the phone like all day for like 12 hours. It was still like, I don't want to like make anything official until I know for sure because I'm going to self-sabotage myself. I'm going to get too excited. I'm sorry. You said 12 hours, and my brain, like, imagined you with, like, a headset <laughs> at work just talking to him. It was, no, it was a weekend, and I think we, we, were, on, we were on FaceTime, and, like, we would watch movies. Oh, we oh would, that's so we cute. We would watch movies. He was in Sudbury, so it's not like it was far. Yeah. But then after two months of talking, I planned, like, a trip, which, again, never would have done without anxiety events, because I was always, like getting to you is too stressful you come to me Mm. but for the first time because i had had other like long distance relationships and i was always like Mm -mm. you're coming here i was very selfish it wasn't good but with him i was like 
I'm going to come to you. And he's like, no, like, I can come. And I was like, no, 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 no. I want to come. Yeah. And to me, it was a big deal because I never felt that way. So I was like, mm. I'm going to come. I'm going to make a trip. I'm going to do this, this, this. And I did it. And it worked out because we're still together. Yeah. Um, so that, it was like stuff like that. Like I was able to say yes to opportunities that I wouldn't have said yes to. Um, I do have to kind of like psych myself up a little bit where it's like, no, say yes. It'll be a fun adventure. you got to say yes to more things. So I am getting better at that. Getting kind of like outside the comfort zone. That's because really before nice. anxiety was like this is your comfort you're not getting out of this yeah but then when i would i was like but this is fun like i like that i got out of my comfort zone and then it's like okay but you're gonna do that once and then you're good for a year <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah it was stuff like that um parallel parking got a lot easier <laughs> um issues with authority um, with anxiety, I had a lot of issues with authority. Like, I was very scared of, like, getting in trouble. Mm. Comes back to, like, childhood as well. That, like, I always felt like if I did something wrong, the punishment outweighed what I did. Mm. So I was always like, well, I'm just not going to get in trouble because I'm going to get this crazy punishment. I don't want that. Yeah. So I was always, like, never spoke in class, hated getting in trouble by teachers. Um, if I did, it would, like, stick with me for a while. Whereas, like, now it'll bother me like a little bit and then i'm like you know what screw them and i move on that's really oh i've seen that actually yeah we have a lot of meetings with people who that would be considered authority and and i we we it really helps because our team like we all kind of have like the same mind frame in a sense like we're all our own people but like we don't leave those meetings and somebody's like no like i agree with them we are all like that was weird what the heck and that really helps because it makes you it validates how you feel um also yeah like recognizing when i'm like starting to go down a weird alley yeah because i can like feel it instead of it being like oh i'm having a panic attack it's like i'm not feeling too good this is going to turn into something i need to like stop it um able to recognize what's making me anxious because before it was just like oh suddenly i'm like this yeah and now it's like wait why am i like this so one thing um i was visiting my sister who's in California now, and we went to In-N-Out, and it was packed. Parking lot was packed. Drive-through was packed. Restaurant was packed. Oh. Yeah, so the line was really long at In-N-Out Burger? Like, It was like everybody decided to be at In-N-Out Burger at the same time. So it's like oh. the parking was full, the drive-in was full, the oh, restaurant yeah. was full. So we oh. couldn't find parking. So we kind of like pull up. My sister's like, go in and like find a table. Yeah. And I'm like... No, no. no. <laughs> like, I don't know this place. I've never been here before. And she was like, I don't know. She's my sister. So she was kind of like, no, like, go. Yeah. And I was just like, okay. And I went and I, like, found us a table. And then you're in this restaurant. I don't I guess you call it a restaurant. It's yeah. packed. I'm with my sister and her husband. And they're two small children. So you have toddlers being toddlers and a baby being a baby. Yeah. And I was just, like, not in it. I was okay, but I was very overwhelmed. Mm -hmm. And then when we came home, I was like, and I'm going to bed. (laughs) Like, I'm done. Battery's dead. And my sister and Thomas thought I was just tired. And I was like, no, I was just very overwhelmed. And they were like, that's so interesting. Because for us, we were like, that went really well. Because our kids were, like, behaving. Yeah. So you never know with a toddler. Yeah. 
um, it was like, no, like that actually went really well. Like we never would have like realized. And that kind of like also helped her see things differently. And then we had a conversation about like, what if her kids have a mental illness? Like, or a learning disability, like anything. Yeah. I was like, when in doubt, get them checked. Yeah. Like, just do it. I was like, I wished I got checked much earlier because it would have changed so much for me. And I was yeah. like, you're doing so much research. You're very invested in your kids. You're very like, she's very like Montessori. I was like, you're doing it right. Now it'll just be like that step with like the mental illness. And I was mm. like, it'll be new for you because you're fine and her husband's fine. Like they both don't have it. But I was like, you could, it could be from our mom. True. Right? Like it could be from another member of the family. Yeah. Um, and then my partner is the opposite. My partner is, what if our kid like gets depression? because he he's like it's because of me and i'm like it could be because of my mom could be because of your mom and i say if it happens we will be the best equipped because we've gone through it and we know what to look for right. we know how to take care of ourselves yeah we're very open to like learning different ways because not everything works you try something with therapy it might not work for you or it might right. be perfect you don't yeah. know um like in a previous podcast hamada said like for her it was meds and therapy that's what worked for her. I tried CB CBT, it didn't work for me. C'est la vie. So I said, we'll be the best equipped. And then he was like, yeah, you're right. And I was like, our kids will probably have something. Because it, it's, <laughs> it's in both of our families. Yeah. They probably will, but we'll be well equipped. Absolutely. Yeah. So now, after going through like, okay, I'm in a relationship. I just started meds, like the whole nine. What is it like now for you, you both, like being in a relationship and having uh, to deal with very differing mm -hmm. mental health? It, like, so diagnosis. one advice I give to a lot of people now when they like, start a new relationship is talk about what you need when you're not well before you're unwell, because when you're not well, you often like draw a blank because you're like, I don't know what I need. Yeah, I'm and just here. And it was really good for us because we needed completely different things. Mm. So when I'm upset, I am very like, I want to be comforted. I want words of affirmation. I want to be held. Like, I wanted to be, like, coddled. Yeah. That's what makes me feel better. makes me feel safe. He is, I'm going to go for a walk. I'm not going to talk to you. I'll be back at some point. <laughs> That's him. He doesn't want physical touch. He doesn't want me in the same room. And at first, it's an adjustment because that's not what your instincts are. Because my instinct is I want to coddle. Yeah. And he's like, no. Mm -hmm. And then when he's upset and I'm upset, he doesn't want to coddle me. <laughs> so I learned this thing. It was from a video about a, with a therapist. And he was saying, like, you need to shelve your issues. So mm -hmm. if you're both having a bad day and you both need comfort, one of you has to kind of say, I'm going to shelve mine and focus on you and then we'll switch. Yeah. So that really helped with us. Mm -hmm. um, also, like when he had bad days with depression, he was like, are you disappointed in me? And I was like, no, I get oh. it. I was like, I get it. Like, I have days like that. Yeah. So then it was a lot more understanding, um, talking about what we needed, how we felt. Like a lot of the times he's like, what do you need? I was like, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. And then once in a blue moon, I was like, I want to be alone. And he's like, okay, I'm going to go play video games. Text me if you need something. And I'm like, <laughs> bye. And I'll have like an hour or two to myself. Um, we have cats, so I always want a cat. 
with me. Um, Which one? Oh, yeah, because I have two. <laughs> I, I usually want my cat. So we have two cats. So we have Jazz, who we found when I was 12. Oh, wow. Yes. Yeah, so my mom was walking the dog. There's a box on the side of the road, like, turned over. Oh. And um, the dog's going crazy. And she's like, what's going on? Yeah. And the, the that dog we didn't often have on a leash because um, that breed, it's an Appenzeller. It's a Swiss mountain dog. Oh. They're bred to be, like, the farmer's companion. So they're always beside you. It's not a dog that's going to run away. Yeah. It's a dog that's, this is my farm. I'm in charge of the farm. So we never really, like, had her on a leash. But the dog smells something and it goes after it. So my mom sees something scurry, so she goes up, and there's a cat. There's just oh. a cat, this black and white cat. And the house that it was in front of, the lady came out and was like, yeah, like this white van just like dropped off this box, but I'm super allergic to cats, so I was going to call you. I'm so glad that like, I ran into you, because we already had a cat. Yeah. So she knew that like we would be able to like take her in. Mm. So we took her in. She stank of smoke. Like mm. It was like embedded in her fur. It was so bad. Ew. But she was very lovely. Like, she's black and white. She's a little tuxedo cat. And, of course, my parents are like, don't name it. Like, we might not keep it. Blah, blah, blah. And you named it. And, of course, my (laughs) sister and I. And my dad was like, let's call her Midnight. I was like, no. We're calling her Jazz. So my sister and I named it. Like, it it was very, like, unanimous. Like, my sister was like, this. And then she was probably about six months. And I was 12. So I'm 26 now, so she's 14. Oh my goodness. She's an old little lady. She's feisty. Still? She, <laughs> yes. <laughs> she is just like, every cat is very different personality. She is very independent, on my own terms. I'm going to do what I want. Mm. So like, you can pick her up and stuff. I usually tell people she might meow, but like, she likes being held. It's just like, she's like, what are you doing to me? And then she's fine. <laughs> And then she's very, like, when someone's not well, she'll always be with them. She's, like, a comfort cat. Uh, so we have her, and she, like, sleeps above my head on my pillow. She takes naps with me. Like, she's very, like, soft and fluffy. And then we have a second cat, which is Brock, who's Broccolini. six months. He's a nutcase. <laughs> so he's not comforting. He is entertaining. <laughs> he plays fetch. Really? Yeah, he plays fetch. He, like, you will wake up and you'll have, like, he'll put all his toys beside you because he wants you to throw it. He wants you to play with him. That's adorable. His favorite toy lately is a string and it's white. So when it's on, like, our bed, our sheets are white, he can't find it. So he looks at me, like, so distressed. And I'm like, it's right here, buddy. (laughs) And I'll, like, give it to him. And then, like, five minutes later, he's like, where'd it go? And I'm like, it's right there. (laughs) You just can't see it because you're a cat he's adorable but he's he's not comforting he's not a cuddle bug so it's usually jazz that's with you it's it's jazz and jazz purrs she drools yeah she does like the making biscuits yep um she is also huntress she catches mice Mm. um she's like she's an outdoors cat in the summer not when we live in the city that's like you're on a leash if anything But at my parents' place, she was always, like, outside. Like, she sleeps on, like, the lounge chair. She loves it. Um, <laughs> she, like, does her nails on, like, tree logs and stuff. Oh, she's bougie. Oh, she's she okay. loves it. She's really good. And then what they what do they- is that cats want to give you, like, a gift. Yep. So we would get headless mice 
by my car, by my bedroom window, by the front door. <laughs> and you're just kind of like, thanks, Jazz. But like, can you not? I mean, it could be bigger. It could be a squirrel. Yeah. Yeah. She's she's <laughs> never gotten like a squirrel. I think she got a bird once. Oh and my, my dad gosh. was not super happy because he loves birds. Oh, but no. mice are like, yeah. oh, so then whenever somebody's like, I think I have mice like in my attic for like, do you want jazz for like a month? Because she'll find them. She'll, she, she'll get them. She will find them. We like don't do mice, mi- mice traps because we don't need them. Yep, jazz will find them. <laughs> and she might not like kill it, but like she'll find it for you and like scare it out of its hiding place. So at oh. least like... You, you can get it out. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. She's a little huntress. So now she's old and lazy. I love her. She has, she has arthritis. So her shoulders, like, don't go up. They kind of, like, stop at a certain point, And she's just like, I'm done. Uh, yeah, no, she's a sweetheart. Uh, but yeah, back to, like, the partner thing. Yeah. So when you both have mental illness, you're more understanding and sympathetic toward the other person because you understand where they're coming from. Yeah. Even though... I don't have depression and he does. It's different. Anxiety is like there's too much noise. Depression is there's not enough. Mm. So it's opposites. But we both go, you're having a bad day. Let's like do something else. We'll figure something out. Now, having intense moments is a little bit different. So I think I've experienced one where he was having it, but it was very early on and it kind of like didn't kick in quite like the realization from either of us. Yeah. Um, so that one I can't really get into because it was like he was going through it, but he wasn't telling anybody. Mm. So, and we, and we were still dating, so he wasn't gonna like admit it to me. Right. He told me later and I was like, oh, okay. Um, but I had a very small one in front of him once, but the, the big one. So again, on medication, working on myself, realizing like what I need and what I don't need, yeah. all of that. Um, we're at his, we were staying with his parents for the weekend mm-hmm. and we're in like his old childhood bedroom and I'm telling him like this story that's very like, I've never told anybody, like very like vulnerable, okay? And this, I don't know if you have to censor this. <laughs> <laughs> like, I'm going to put a baby giggling right there. Okay. Because it's like everybody has their moment where their brain just turns off and they say the dumbest thing. And he made a joke that in another situation probably would have been funny. But in this situation was not funny. Oh, no. Because it had to do with me always being told I was too dramatic. Oh, no. So I like instantly shut down. Not yeah. crying, just like blank. Stopped talking, yeah. looking straight ahead, moved away from him, and he went, "Oh no, like I messed up." Yeah, and I was like, "No, don't touch me, don't come near me. I need to get away." Now I'm not at my house. I'm not at my parents' house. I'm not at a good friend's house. I'm not in my apartment. Nothing. I'm in extended family. So when you want alone time, you don't really have a spot. Especially when the person, like, my spot would have been, like, his room, but then he's there, and I'm trying to get away from him, so I can't, like, kick him out. Right. Um, And then, like, his family's home, and I don't want, like, them to get involved. It's, like, 11 o'clock at night, maybe. It's, like, I don't want to get them involved, like, all this stuff. So I go downstairs into the bathroom, because I'm always, like, 
I'm gonna put water on my face. I'm gonna drink something. I just need to like cool down. So I go yeah. into the bathroom and like a good person he is, he comes down and he's talking to me through the door. And he's like, I'm so sorry. That was so dumb. Like, <laughs> I don't know I said that. Like, please talk to me. Yeah. And I am just like, like breathe. So after a few minutes, I'm like, okay, I'm gonna go lay down. We might not talk about what happened, but, like, I'm going to be okay. Yeah. So I get out of the bathroom. I say, like, I'm going to go back to our room. Mm -hmm. And he's like, okay, I'll be there in just a minute. So I go back to our room, and he's not coming. Oh. And I thought he was going to follow me. Yeah. Right? And I realize, like, he also has a tendency to, like, when he doesn't want to talk about it, he'll do what I do, which is lock yourself in the bathroom. So I thought he locked himself in the bathroom because yeah. it's that thing. This is the one thing that doesn't work when you're in a relationship, even if it's friends and you both have mental health, is when you're both freaking out at the same time. Because then you are no help to each other. And the thing about shelving your emotions, good luck. It goes right out the window. And then the other thing is then, then you're angry at that person because like, I don't want to comfort you. You're supposed to comfort me. And now you're not here. So I went downstairs to the bathroom. Mm -hmm. The door's locked. And I'm like, I think I I meant to knock, but for some reason, <laughs> I like I like slammed my fist against the door like bam bam bam. Cuz I was like so emotional cuz I thought he had locked himself in the bathroom. And I was like, now I'm going to have to comfort him, blah blah blah. And so like you're this and mad. that. I was angry. And then he's like, whoa, because turns out uh, he has IBS and he just like needed a minute. <laughs> this is what I mean. Like it's stuff that like if you're not in panic mode, you're like, that's totally fine. Yeah. When you're in panic mode, everything is horrible. Everything's 10 times bigger. So he comes out of the bathroom and he's kind of mad. He's like, why did you just slam like on, on the door? Because again in a normal situation that'd be terrifying yeah. like your partner's like bang, banging like, on the door yeah that's intense so he's like that was so like uncalled for like why are you doing that like that's not you and i shut down um and this is an anxiety attack that i had never experienced before where mm. i forgot how to breathe oh. it was one of those and i had never felt that way before and it wasn't, it was usually like I hyperventilate or you're kind of sobbing. So you're like, you're breathing. It's just not regular. Regular, yeah. This was like, I don't remember. Mm. So I like put my hand on the wall and I said something like, I can't breathe or like, I'm sorry. I don't remember. But it was something that made him go like, wait, what? And then he, he thought, again, I was just being emotional. But then I like kind of like leaned on the wall and like slid down. And he thought, again, it's like, that's what you do when you're upset, right? right? But it was also like less voluntarily and more like my legs giving out. Mm. So then he was like, wait, what? So he sat down on, on the floor and he's trying to talk to me. He's trying to say like, what's wrong? And I can't talk because I can't breathe. breathe. And then um, it got so bad that like, and it's always really weird because, like, consciously you're still awake, but your body is, like, not there. Yeah. So consciously I'm, like, breathe. 
just breathe, which is also a thing with anxiety is that oftentimes you give yourself an anxiety attack yeah. because you're freaking out about having an anxiety attack. Yeah. It's very ironic. <laughs> so it's like you stop breathing because you're so aware of your breathing. Yeah. So I like got to the point where I'm like laying on the floor kind of unconscious because I can't Can't breathe. breathe. And then that's when he was like, oh, something's wrong. Do I call a hospital? Like, what do I do? But instead, which in hindsight was the right move, because my mind, I was like, I don't know, maybe I do have to go to the hospital because people have gone in the past to the hospital for panic attacks. Thinking it's a heart attack or something's wrong. And they do get like admit it not overnight but they'll get like an iv because usually like you're very dehydrated and they give you like calming meds Mm -hmm. and they kind of like take care of you so it's like i knew it was a thing what he did is he if i remember right he sat down on the floor he put my head in his lap and he like held my hand and he was like just breathe and then Mm. he started doing okay we're gonna breathe together which is again that's the right thing to do because you forget yeah so then I was trying, but I wasn't really doing it. And I said, like, I'm trying. And he was like, it's okay, it's okay. And then, um, which made, like, my body kind of, like, come back, too. So he was like, do you want to move to the couch? And I was like, yeah. yeah. So then we moved to the couch, and then we kept doing it until, like, I was pretty good. And even then, like, sometimes he would stop, and then I would go back to, like, oh. <laughs> Sorry, Mike. <laughs> um... I would go back to, like, not breathing properly, Mm. and then he'd have to, like, restart. And then eventually, like, you know, I went back to the room, and he was, like, explained to me what, why he was locked in the bathroom, and then, like, we were fine. Like, things happen. Things happen. But that was, like, the first time that I experienced that. Yeah. And had somebody else witness it in such, like, a personal way. Yeah. Where, like, they had to, like, hold me and keep me from like going unconscious and then i talked to a friend of mine because she's a surgical nurse and i was like what do you do in that situation and she said oftentimes going to the hospital and the ambulance does more harm than good because it'll incite more panic Mm -hmm. sometimes it's more about just having one person there to calm you down because it's just a more relaxing environment because or else you're in an ambulance, and then you're freaking about the ambulance, yeah. and I have a fear of needles, and then I'm freaking about the needles, and she's like, yeah. usually, like, depending on where you're at, sometimes it's it actually makes things worse. Mm-hmm. Um, so in that case, I was glad, because it probably would have, and I ended up being fine. Like, I'm still here today. But, like, it's scary. It it's is. scary for yourself. It's scary for the partner. Um... And then it's kind of like, well, what, where do we go from here? And it's like, there's not much. And a lot of it came from just, like, not having, like, a comfort space. Mm. So, again, it's like, yeah, that's such a small thing. But for people with anxiety, I usually say, in French, we say, it's la goutte d'eau de trop. So you imagine, like, a glass of water. And the glass of water is, like, completely filled with all of, like, your stress. And some people have the glasses, like, half full. Some of it is, like, it's empty. People with anxiety, it's often your glass is, like, full, and then you have one little thing happen, and it spills over. I find that really interesting, because in psychology, that's something that we actually learn, and it's hereditary. Mm -hmm. So sometimes the glass you have is hereditary. There are a lot of people that, uh, they're born, and because of environment and their parents, Mm -hmm. the glass is already half full, or it's close to full, and then there are other people that 
there's nothing in mm-hmm. there and that's because of that environment and the tools they were given yep. to cope and we usually use that um, to talk about like addiction so mm-hmm. there are some people that are more likely to become addicts yes. at some point in yes. their lifetime than others because of that glass they they have a different mm-hmm. ability when it comes to coping with stress and like that's a privilege thing too because yeah. think about like if you're born into like a state of war and you become like a refugee at the age of two it's like yeah like you're yeah. not living a regular circumstance you're going through a lot of trauma very young um and that's why sometimes like when people that are really well off do well it's like oh like rich white boy crying it's like <laughs> like pick yourself up like you can go through worse yeah but it's it's that glass of water so yeah. like growing up i was always like why can't mom do more why is she always tired this and this yeah and my dad said just because you can do so much doesn't mean she can because there's just some things that are at different levels right like my sister and i are completely different even though like we have the same parents yeah and my parents are completely different and they can take on a lot like many different things my mom if something goes wrong like let's say um we're at the airport and our flight gets delayed Mm -hmm. my mom starts panicking because she's just like, well, what are we going to do? And, like, where do we have to go? And, like, what's going to happen? And, like, oh, and this and this. And what about her luggage? And it's like, mom, sit down. Breathe. <laughs> My dad is born leaner. So he's like, I'm going to go talk to the stewardess. And I'm going to figure this out. <laughs> blah, blah, blah. And I'm, my sister and I are like, oh, they'll figure it out. <laughs> airport with my parents as an adult is infuriating oh my god because we'll be walking and it's like okay we have to go to gate g4 and there's a sign and it says g this way and i'm like okay we go this way and they're like wait wait we have to see the sign and i'm like it says go this way and they're like yeah but what about the rest of the sign who cares about the rest of the sign g that way that's it we're done so i am like when i travel which is always kind of stressful when you're on your own because usually you just follow somebody. I'm the one that people follow now. So I'm like, gee, this way, let's go. And my mom is like, almost lost her passport once in the airport. Like, just left it behind. I know. I know. Mm. And then my dad is like, dad mode. Like, of course. dad mode going to the airport three hours early. Airport dad. Airport dad, absolutely. <laughs> and then I'm like, oh, yeah, I'll get there early. I'll get a snack. I'll hang out at, like, the gate for a little bit. Yeah. I'll go do, like, a store. Like, when we traveled to Montreal. Yeah. Like, easy. Easy. Let's go have lunch. Yeah, yeah. Like, let's just relax. It was fine. Let's go to our gate. We'll see what food is around there. Oh, and then what I've heard, too, is that traveling with your partner is, like, a real test as well. Because, yeah. And then the other thing is also um, people vacation differently. So my mm-hmm. parents are very, like, go, go, go. And I'm like, I want to go at the to the beach yep. and do, like, a museum. And yep. I'm good. Yeah. I just want beach. And so sleep. I'm always like, I want to go to the beach. Yeah. And I don't want to have to set an alarm. No. I want to sleep in every day. Yes. Yeah. So I actually empathize with you a lot, especially when it comes to like having a panic attack where you don't breathe. Because after I moved into my first apartment, mm-hmm. I had one at least a day Ooh, for two months. Yeah. Like That's just. Not no and having to call my friend and be like i can't breathe yeah and my dog like looking at me like um (laughs) (laughs) hello like what are we doing yeah can you get it together and pay attention to me (laughs) it actually got he's actually i have two dogs now yeah um but theo is 
amazing when it comes to emotions for everybody if you're if you're upset he's like beside you you could be a stranger and he'll see you coming towards him down the street Mm -hmm. and usually he like Theo walks around people like he's not the type of dog that's like yeah pet me what he's a like, gentleman um, excuse me uh no he doesn't no he's not a gentleman he really doesn't care about you like he's like I'm gonna walk and you're bending down for some reason like <laughs> you're in my way <laughs> but <laughs> if you're having a hard day you could be a complete stranger and he will he won't move like I'll be like Theo let, like let's go Aww. and he'll stand there and he'll wait for you Aww, to get to him and then boy. he'll like S- slowly walk up to your leg and if you're like not having it then he'd be like all right i'm gonna go pee <laughs> see and that was a big thing so like i always grew up with like six pets at the most but always like five at the least we always had so many pets so like to me companionship with animals is like so underrated it is it does so much good for you when i was in college um i went to cambrian and you know moved out of the house for the first time living alone and i was like so empty and i was like i need something to come home to i need something that's like excited to see me i got a hamster i got a hamster not where i expected that to go yeah (laughs) i got it so yeah you got a hamster i got a hamster it helped a lot like it actually did because i used to like leave class and be like gotta go take care of my hamster like i have something to go home to and, and then whenever I left, I always said, like, goodnight. So I was like, oh, I named her Pavarotti after the opera singer. So I'd say goodnight, Pav, as I was leaving, because she's going to bed. And then when I'd come home, I'd say good morning. And then every time I went to her cage, I gave her sunflower seeds. Aww. So she would hear me come, and she'd come out of, like, her little hovel, yeah. little nest, and then come see me. So it was it, it did exactly what I needed it to do. I needed companionship but I couldn't take on a lot of responsibility and I couldn't have like a cat that's going to last me in the next 20 years. Like that was just too much. Yeah. Um, I need something like I'm here for a few years. I need something quick. Um, I loved her to death. She was my little buddy. My friend used to come over and we'd make like for her birthday, we made like a picnic table out of, um, popsicle sticks oh my goodness and gave her like this little like carrot cake like no sugar no nothing that's so it's like cute. mashed up carrot basically yeah and yeah like we did like a whole thing oh we made like a parasol for the <laughs> so yeah it was like as simple as it was it was like we still had a lot of fun yeah and it was really fun because like i was just like cracking the popsicle sticks but my friend was in architecture so he was doing it like so precise and like measuring things oh and all this goodness. stuff and i'm like ah, glue got this shit together <laughs> yeah yeah so okay so now that you're actually like have a plan with your mm-hmm. with everything you are going into a new job yeah. you've moved out Move. of the city you're, you know, in a stable. Comfortable t- I was going to say comfortable, yeah. yeah. Stable place with your Financially stable as well, which is really nice. Yeah. Um, What's next? Oh. So the next thing, um, like big life thing, is probably going to be getting engaged. That's like, it's very much the next step. And like, there's been lots of conversations about it. Like, yeah, yeah. 
um I'm and like, like for geeking. me i know and for me it's like i feel ready because yeah. it's like at a point you're just like no like i don't want that but now it's like you know what like i'm good i also have a lot in savings because i'm very careful with my money um so i'm like yeah like i can actually pull this off i don't have like a hundred dollars in my bank account like yeah. i can actually do it um and then after that uh, i definitely want to move back to sudbury I like Sudbury. Mm. And it's in between where both our parents live. His parents are in the Sioux. My parents are in New Liskard. So it's in the not middle. Not that far of a drive to either. So you're not like, oh, I got to drive six hours. It's only three. It's only three. Yeah. Like, it's fine. Uh, do I still have anxiety? Of course. It's a lot more managed now. Mm. Um, I am looking to fix my meds because they have not been hitting the way that they used to. Okay. I felt a bit of a change during the summer. It felt more like they were taking the edge off, but that was kind of mm. it. And I was getting more anxious. And I was also tired all the time because anxiety meds are like a bit of a sedative to like calm you. Yeah. And I was just sleeping too much. So I don't have a family doctor, which has been a really big struggle. But I went to a walk-in in the Sioux with a nurse practitioner and they were like let's do blood work to like kind of like check things off the list okay turns out i'm super low in vitamin d uh, and <laughs> iron deficient <laughs> so i'm taking meds for that yeah and i woke up at six today yeah and um usually i nap during my lunch break yep have a nap the past few days i like go try and i'll sleep like 10 minutes so i was oh. like oh i guess it's just super like deficient oh so that's been helping a lot so like maybe my anxiety meds are fine maybe it was just other stuff <laughs> yeah so i have an, an appointment with a nurse practitioner to still like go over it but it's in a few weeks from now so it'll be good because then i'll kind of see like are my meds still kind of weird or are my supplements like just the key <laughs> was i just like super deprived yeah so in canada we should all be on vitamin D pills. Yes, absolutely. Because we get so little sunlight, especially in the winter. Yeah. So, like, everyone's saying, you should be taking some. And you should be taking, like, one to two a day. Yeah. Like, this, just the standard vitamin D. Um, your normal range on your, like, blood counts is, like, 75 to 100. Mm -hmm. I was at 42. Ooh. <laughs> so I have to take extra for a year to catch up and then maintain it. A year. A year. But it's just, it's like three tiny little things. Okay, I need to go take a blood test. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and it's like, I'm like awake. I'm wired, which is, it feels really good because I was productive. Like, I still got through my day, but when I'm sleeping, I'm sleeping for 10 hours. Or if I'm taking a nap, like, the afternoon, like, I'm gone. Yeah, same. So that's what the issue was. It's like, I can get through work day, I feel fine, which was new since starting anxiety meds because before you're tired all the time, which yeah. is another symptom. Tired all the time is usually because your brain is working too much. So you're more mentally tired than physically tired. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. So you're more mentally tired than physically tired. Yeah. And it's just because your brain is processing so much all the time and it doesn't really get a break. My brain's tired right now. That was one question they asked me. They were like, do you have a hard time like like disconnecting from work? Like you come home, are you like, okay, I'm in home mode. I'm chill, I'm relaxed. Are you still like in work mode? Like I need to be productive. Cause they're like, that's usually like, you're still on edge. It's worse when 
for me, it's worse mm-hmm. when like I'm working at home and I stay in my bed. Like if I'm tired and I, I'm just like ah, I just drag the laptop over. That's something that really helps. Is like I have an office, so all my work stuff is in one room. The only thing that's a struggle is like my PC is also in there. So if I want to like game, I'm still at my office. <laughs> yeah. um, but I try to like put all my work stuff like away, just like to the side, like my notebooks the coordinator phone like all of that so like i don't look at it yeah because then that helps too and i'll put like the phone on silent so like i don't hear the notification every time like there's something on instagram i was like no i close absolutely everything and Mm -hmm. i put my phone in a mode where like nothing work related can Mm -hmm. can actually come through no notifications no emails no nothing and that'll that'll help a lot for anxiety yeah like for sure so yeah, so the next few steps is still just trying to like figure out what's kind of going on with my meds. Yeah. My mom still asks me every once in a while. She's like, how are you doing with your anxiety? And I'm like, good. That's really good. Um, I worked a lot the past year on being like more self-aware and like learning more about myself. Yeah. Like, why do I do this? Why do I react this way? Why is this getting to me? Why isn't this getting to me? Yeah. Why am I like feeling this way? And that did help. And then... Um, kind of like forcing my friends to go get diagnosed because I had a roommate over the summer Yeah, and it was like, you are explaining everything that I was going through and you're in denial about having anxiety. And he was telling me like about panic attacks and this Mm. and that. And I was like, yeah, that's not normal. He's like, yeah, but like, it's fine. I'm like, no, guess who got diagnosed and is on medication? that guy um so i'm like because i I know it like that's what i went through so i'm like take your mental health seriously please and thank you listen to like your body yeah and as much as like in denial we want to be and be like no i'm fine no like i can get through it on my own going to the doctor costs nothing you don't have to tell your parents um if you're under the age of 25 your meds are free or you pay like a dollar um, so like that's covered. So actually like getting it done sounds really terrifying, but once you do it, you're pretty good. Mm-hmm. And then your doctor will check up on you every like few months just to be like, hey, how are you doing? Like um, my partner, like he has an appointment like every, for a while it was every two months cause he was figuring out his meds for ADHD too. Mm. So it was like depression, anxiety and ADHD, it was a lot. So they like tried out a few things but like he felt really good with the doctor. So they talked about everything. They checked off a lot on the list. Now he's getting his back looked at because he has like a problem with his back. So it's like he has somebody to kind of look after him and yeah. check in, which is really nice. Um, I'm not in that boat because I don't have a family doctor. So my journey is a lot messier and kind of like having to like fight for it to be mm. like, I am going to wait in line for three hours to go to this walk-in. Yeah. I am. I'm not going to give up. Like, this is what I need to do. Um, I've tried, like, the online doctors. They're kind of hit or miss. Sometimes they're really good, and sometimes it's like, okay, next. And then you're like, what? That was two minutes. Like, you got nothing out of that. Basically. Yeah. So kind of hit or miss. But um, it's good if you're like, but then my future will be easier. And when I go through hard times, it'll be easier because I'll be more aware of how to take care of myself. Medication and all this stuff is not a cure. You're still going to go through it. Yeah. But I always say it makes the symptoms so much less. Mm-hmm. So it's like you still have it, but it's like manageable. 
to a point where you can like take care of yourself. Um, and then I think a lot of people go through it, but they don't talk about it or they talk very lightly about it. Like, oh, haha, same. And you're like, wait, hold on. So I do that. I'm like, wait, hold on. What do you mean same? It's like, yeah, like I, I have that sometimes. And I'm like, yeah, that's not good. And they're like, yeah. ah, that's fine. And I'm like, mm, yeah. I don't know about that. So, cause, cause I, I, when I worked with youth at my own job, it was a lot of that, like yeah. making like jokes. It's kind of like, I'm getting some like underlying real talk yep. kind of going on. Mm -hmm. And there was a student that I like talked to and she had to get help. She was like, I was like, hey, you're making a lot of jokes yeah, um, about yourself, like self-deprecating and about mental health and about your looks. And mm -hmm. I was like, are you good? And she was like, no. And I was like, okay. <laughs> okay. <laughs> but uh, she didn't want to tell her parents because they just blame themselves. I was mm -hmm. like, you can do an online appointment with your doctor. And I explained the process that I went through. And she was like, oh, I didn't know that. Because we're so used that like, you're 13, your mom comes with you to the doctor. Right. That's what happens. Yeah. But it's like, no, you can make the phone call on your own. If you're too scared to make a phone call, you can probably email them. Um, they'll schedule an appointment. You can do it on the phone. So you can like have it on your lunch at school. Just go find a quiet spot. Um, or after school and you want to do it like in your room. If you have to go in person, I don't, I'm not saying lie to your parents, but like your mental health is a priority. Don't lie to your parents. So I used to tell, I told my student, I was like, if, if it becomes an issue, tell them like you're with me and I'll advocate for you. Cause it's like, yeah. if you want to go to therapy, I'm not going to say like, well, listen to your parents. I'm going right. to be like, n like, no, you want to go to therapy. She's 16 too. So it's a little bit different. And there's a lot of like free programs and free. and that's what i did i yeah. found her some programs she ended up fine talking to the school counselor and they found her somebody through the school it's like that's somebody really that good. comes like two to three times a week and then she started having appointments with them so it was a lot easier her parents know now like everything's kind of like been fixed yeah um but yeah it was like mm, there's something serious going on and i was right right so check in Talking about that is very vulnerable, which is why people usually don't like it. Because yeah. it's kind of like you're letting someone in on a secret. And you're sometimes you have a bit of a feeling like, yeah, but what if they use this against me? Yeah. Which is true, because that does happen, because teenagers are can be very mean, very cruel. Um, so I heard about this the other day. It was like, who's the person that you can call in the middle of the night and they'll help you? that's the person that you should talk to. Because yeah. you know that they're gonna like show up. If you don't have somebody, get a doctor. Yeah. Like you you have to find somebody. There's a lot of like online sources, like um, Youthline, there's Kids Help Phone. They have a lot of like texting services now. A lot yeah, of people do. don't like using the phone, phone sucks. Um, and it can feel kind of weird talking to a stranger because it's like, I don't know this person. But I always find this person knows nothing about you. They have no connection to your family. Yep. They're not going to tell anyone because they don't know who you are. Doctor-patient confidentiality. Doctor-patient confidentiality. They're not there to judge you. Their literally job is to just sit there and listen and help you. Right. And because they're a stranger, you can really like trauma dump. And there's no consequences. Right. And they're trained for that. So, like, yeah. they'll react appropriately. And then they can give you the help. 
So in college, I had looked into those. College was a little bit rough too. Um, and it was like, yeah, talking to strangers weird. And it was like, yeah, but they don't care about me in the sense that they're not going to judge me. Right. They're not going to go, oh, you're being too dramatic. No, because they're trained not to do that. And they know that better because exactly. they actually like went into this field. Um, whereas like your parents, I don't know, they don't want to be the victim. They want to see themselves like they did everything right. And then when they see like their kid is broken, it can be difficult to process. Especially for me, because like they didn't catch it until I was 24. So it's like, we can we change that wording a little bit? Change which one? It's not that it's not that their kid is well. They think that their they, kid is yes. broken. Yes, but it's more so like your kid needs you. Yes, and they sometimes don't know how to deal with that, especially when like they're at that age. They're like, oh, they're old enough. You know, they shouldn't mm-hmm. need me as much anymore. And then when it comes back around, like, hey, actually, I do. Sometimes they're like why yeah 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 yeah. and as a parent i can i can definitely see because sometimes it feels like you're getting kind of like sidelined it's like where where is this coming from where is this coming from because you're you're so busy just being a parent and being your own person and having a job and everything Mm -hmm. so i get that um especially like i find kids that have often have issues they hate talking about it more and more because it's like oh another problem with me right but if you have good parents, they're there to help you. If you don't, there's other people that are there to help you. Absolutely. And I had to kind of like find that middle mm. where it was like, my parents are good in some ways, other people are good in other ways. And I had to like manage it, but just like, it's better to f- help your mental health than to keep living with it. Cause it's just living with suffering for because of like pride or denial or something, but it's like, my life is so much easier now. <laughs> so much easier. It's so like work, I don't freak out yeah. if something goes wrong. I don't blame myself as much. I'm not doing the what if, what if, what if, what if. No, I'm not checking if I lock the door six times anymore. I'm not self-sabotaging like relationships and friendships. That's yeah. not happening. So yeah, and then, um, or something else I wanted to say. And then in some ways, like it kind of connected my mom and I better because then we would talk about it and she'd be like, oh, look, I never thought of it that way. Oh, and you see like when that happens, I react this way. Mm. And then we understood each other like on a different level Yeah, that other people did it. And then that also like helped. And that's why like we check in on each other. Now that I'm an adult, don't do that when, if you're 10, don't check up <laughs> on your parents. That's way too much for a 10 year old. That's way too much. And if you're a 10-year-old who has gone through the process of parentification, mm. then you're probably already doing that already. Stop. Yes. Yeah, parent. Oh, that's a big one. Yeah, especially in, like, big families. Like, my aunt has that because she's the eldest of six. Yeah. So she acts like she's everyone's mother because that's how she was raised. She was the second mom. Mm-hmm. You know, that's just how it was. Um, and she's like, she's in her sixties, and you can still see it. She's doing better. But she's it retired and everything, but it's, it's still there. Yeah. My dad had to like, you can't call three times a day to ask a simple <laughs> question because I'm just available. Right. Like, you can call twice a week. <laughs> they yeah. had to give her a limit, but she's a sweetheart. Yeah. Oh, and then you'll also start to see it more in people because then you like know the signs yeah kind of like um what is it i have a friend and 
we'd hang out and sometimes he would just like get up and go like on the balcony and i'm like so he'd be like what is he doing like he's fine it was like oh he just needs a second he might he's just a little bit like overwhelmed or um we'd be out at a restaurant with like seven people and he's on his phone and i'm like he's just a little bit overwhelmed he's just like needs to be in his own little world yeah and it's like i'm not gonna say anything i'm not gonna be like are you okay are you feeling okay because then they're just like "Uh, i don't want to talk about this so yeah you get a lot better at that yeah well this has been super fun Talking about mental health is always fun. (laughs) (laughs) We talk about mental health in our office a lot. Like, that's a constant conversation. There's so many conversations that... Oh, I'm... See, now I'm getting sad again. Don't get sad. (sighs) I'm still around. I know. And, like, I still might do, like, contracts for Future North and stuff. So it's like, I'm still going to be around, like, to a certain degree. And even if, like, I'm not around for certain projects on the board or something like i'll actually i'm not gonna get into this (laughs) we can we can talk about it more (laughs) after these mics are off exactly (laughs) um i don't know i don't want to i don't want to say goodbye because this is not goodbye i hate goodbyes same Um, what i'm gonna say is i'll see you for brunch (laughs) exactly we're going for brunch tomorrow We're going for brunch. And I mean, I'm off to a new project. It's a yeah. new fun adventure. It's Habitat for Humanity. It's another great cause. All the nonprofits want me. This is my third nonprofit. This is amazing. That's just what happened. So I said, like, I think my specialization is marketing for nonprofits at this point. That's, that's really That's good. what I do. And it it found me. Like, yeah. it's not on purpose. It was just like, yeah, okay. Yeah, this is a job. <laughs> And now I love it. Now I, like, understand it and everything. Okay, I have three, like, final questions. Okay. And then I'm going to let you go. Okay. Lightning round. All right. Scale of one to ten, how would you rate Future North? Like a nine. That's really good. And the only reason why is because I think that there's roadblocks that are Mm. not caused by us. Yeah. They're caused by other things, whether that's funding or people or deadlines. Like, things getting, like, extended. Yeah. But, like, if we had the full capacity to do anything that we wanted, we would be, like, an 11. Absolutely. Because, like, the things that we've talked about, like, with our director are, like, innovative. They're new. They would make us super happy. Like, they're really, really good stuff. But it takes other elements outside of our control to get to to them. them. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Favorite project? Redefining Success. Okay. I think just that one because I was like so in charge of it. Yeah. That it was like I didn't feel like I needed to be babysat. It was like this is fully in my capacity while being challenged, yeah. which is good feeling, while meeting new people, making all these new connections. A project that like a lot of people like fully believed in. So it was I had a lot of like people that were enthusiastic about what I was doing. Yeah. So the validation is there. And also the, like, appreciation, where it's like, oh, my gosh, this is so good. Like, this is such a good project. You're doing such a great job, blah, blah, blah. And I'm just like, yes. And you did it long distance. And I did it long distance, which was a challenge in a way. Yeah. Um, And my resume. Absolutely. Because now I can say I managed over 20 people. I managed over so many events in a span of two weeks. Yeah. I organized photo shoots yeah. and designed billboards yeah. and all this and worked with like 20 different partners, like all this stuff. Yeah. So my 
on paper, it's like night and day. And you redesigned an entire website. Oh my gosh. I love doing that. <laughs> I love doing a good website. Okay. Uh, favorite, if you had to choose one, favorite moment while with Future North? Okay. Um, you will know this. Oh. So good luck for the listeners who weren't involved. But <laughs> the meeting with one of her students that spoke her truth <gasps> to authority figures, that was like <laughs> legendary. So we were doing a project that was not going in the direction that we wanted or the youth involved wanted. Yeah. There was people in an authoritative role that were taking over and making bad decisions. Yeah. And we have to be nice. So we're like, so like, let's we, pivot. We have to be professional. We have to be professional. <laughs> let's pivot. Let's try this. And kind of yeah. like being nice about it. And this student like roasted them, like blew up at this meeting. Absolutely. But even like when we met after, I was like, if she, she could have written a letter, they wouldn't have read it. No. She could have sent an email. She wouldn't have gotten like a reply. Yeah. She could have talked to them in the hall or something. It wouldn't have had an impact. No. They would have brushed it off. Yeah. The way that she did it, although to them would seem unprofessional, was the only way that they were going to listen. And she still did it like, she wasn't rude. No. She wasn't swearing. No. She wasn't insulting anyone. No. She was just speaking everything that all of us were feeling. And it was, this is our project. We signed up for this. Why are you taking over? Why aren't you letting us speak? Why are you ignoring us? And it was like, yeah, like that's so valid. So like I had to like turn my camera off and mute myself yes. because I was losing my mind. I was like laughing, I was cheering, I was clapping, I was watching their reaction, which was also very fun. It was. Um, we were sending memes in the chat. We were sending <laughs> memes to each other like in our group chat, like go girl, go, 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 go. And then we had a meeting with her after, and we were like, we just want to let you know, support you. we we support you. Yeah, like they're not going to. You're gonna get like a talk and everything, but we'll be but there. We we believe in you. Yep. We stand by you. Like you're in our good books. You're like a legend to us now. CC us in that meeting because we're coming. Oh my gosh! <laughs> yeah, no, she like that was just. I think it stood out to me because it was so unexpected, mm. but it was so powerful. Absolutely, it was so powerful. Like there's always good moments. Like yeah. Carrie. One woman of distinction. Yes. Like, that's huge. Oh. But it was also, like, she's so good, of course she's going to win. Like, and she's doing so much. Getting to be there and support her and trying not to cry. Oh, that my was... gosh. Yes. <laughs> but there was something about that student that just was, like, I love you. Like, you're doing so good. You could see that, th that she had had enough. She had had enough, and she was very passionate about the project. Yeah. So much so that she let it show um, and not to say that all the problems were fixed after that with the people in, in authority. There were still issues, but it definitely, there was a big switch in the attitude after Absolutely. that. And there were some people that were part of the project that were causing problems that left because of that. Yes. And it was like, good. Bye. Bye. Because <laughs> they were not supportive. They were causing a lot of issues and everything. It was just overall not a great situation to be in. And again, on our side, it's very weird. Yeah. So it's like, I have to be nice to this person. 
But I'm, in the end. I'm rarely nice. I'm usually just Yeah, you got in trouble for that once. <laughs> I didn't. You want to know something funny about that? I didn't do anything. I didn't say anything. I know. I was literally just sitting there. I know. That's that's the thing, because I was there for that. <laughs> it was somebody was sharing an idea that was very insensitive and insulting. Yeah. And it's very hard to keep a straight face as a professional. So you kind of just like stare. Forget professional, as a human. As a human, because you're just like, what are you saying? What is coming out of your mouth right now? Yeah. So Jalise got in trouble by the person because she was being like rude and making faces. And it was kind of (laughs) like, in a way, I was like, what did you expect? Yeah. Because we don't stand for that. That's not what Future North stands for. No. You're speaking about something that is also insulting to you. Yeah. To, like, your culture and everything and who you are. So it was also, like, this directly affects you. Like, hello? And, like, I wasn't even affected in that. And I was still, like, this is... Are you crazy? Yeah. Like, this is not... Don't say this stuff in front of people that would be affected by it. Just don't so, say it, period. It was just oh like, gosh. it was just like my my whole brain, I was trying to sit there and process and it's, not it's judge. Difficult. And I was like, okay, just hear what the individual is saying and and take it as what they're saying. But like, sometimes you do like the wide eyes where you're like, well, what? And like, like little things like that, I, that you don't really mean to, like anybody like doesn't mean yes. to. It's just your reaction. I was sitting there like this, like trying to, think about what this person is saying and like envisioning mm-hmm. and I left it at that because I I know myself way too well yeah you had to like you've seen me in meetings when I've said to somebody like you're making no sense right now <laughs> you say it very nicely though <laughs> you're very like polite about it and like you say it without directly saying it yeah and then our director's always like how did you do that that was like perfect because humans yeah, and see, like, that's another thing, is, like, working on our strength. So our director is very diplomatic. So when yes. there's something wrong, but they're blaming us, but it wasn't our fault, I'm like, I'm going to send this to the director because yep. she's going to be a diplomat. Yeah. Right? If somebody needs to get yelled at, it's going to be Jalise. Because, like, she'll... <laughs> and, and Kiana, because, like, they'll, they'll tell you. Like, they're blunt. And I'm, like... The sympathetic will find a solution of yeah. like, yeah, like I hear like what you're saying. I'm going to bring this back to the team and discuss it. I'll have an email for you by like the end of the day. Yeah. I'm like, I don't agree. I'm not going to say I agree, but like, I'm going to make you think that this is okay. And then we're going to say no. Like, yeah. actually, we're going to go in, this, in another direction because or else I am going to cry. <laughs> And, I, and nobody nobody wants to cry at work. Oh my gosh. And I'm not having it. Like, I've gotten to the points in my life where I'm just not having it. That's something that going into my new job, I'm, like, really consciously being, like, you know, like, you get a boss and you're kind of like, oh, I need to be, like, super professional. And then as you develop, like, a relationship with that person, you start to become, like, more and more comfortable. Yeah. And you start to become, like, more yourself. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, I just want to start that job immediately like that. So I'm, like, putting it in my head. Don't be like, hi, everyone. Like, I'm so happy to be here. I'd be like, hey, what's up? Like, what's the plan for today? Like, let's... <laughs> and every morning I say to my cats and to Neil, let's make that bread. Let's get that bread. I'm like, okay, guys, let's get that bread. As I'm, like, making my way to my desk. That's what I always say. It's just, like, a thing. But it, like, it gets me, like, set up. So 
So I was like, I want to like come in and just be like my authentic self and not like beat around the bush because I don't think these people are like that. The boss yeah. reminds me a lot of our old boss, Nicole, mm. where she's like super friendly. Yeah. So I'm like, I think she would appreciate that. And Absolutely. she seems very like authentic. So I'm like, I'm just going to go for it. Go for it. Whatever. Don't, like I'm going to be 27. Like I'm just tired of like small talk and like yes. being nice all the time. Ugh. Like sometimes I just want to like say like, yeah, like be more blunt. Yeah. Still be nice about it, but just be a little bit more like. It doesn't l- work. Less of a people pleaser. Mm. That's that's the right thing to say. Less of a people pleaser. Like I don't agree with this, but I'm gonna say I agree with this because saying no seems like I'm gonna cause a problem. Cause problems. That's why we're here. That's what exactly. We do. Exactly. But it's still that like fear of like authority kind of thing where it's like I hate getting in trouble. And sometimes it's a pick your battles too. Yes. Right. hundred percent. Like it's like, like you have a degree in psychology. Yeah. So it's like if you came and you were like, this is a line from my textbook. This is how we do this. And people were arguing against that. It's very like, how can I get you to understand the concept of this without putting you four years of school? That it's like, sometimes it's like, can you just believe me? Just trust me. And you want to say, you're wrong. This is like this. But then they go, yeah, blah, blah, blah. So sometimes you're like, whereas other times you have to be like i was hired for this role i went to school for this you have said before that you are not good at this trust me that i can fill that responsibility yeah so that's like another thing but that can be really difficult when you're starting a new job which can be a whole other podcast like dealing with i always like have a thing like how do you deal with a difficult manager? How do yeah. you deal with an employee that like you don't like get along with? Yeah. Um, if you're managing an intern or a co-op student and they're not living up to their responsibilities, what do you do? What do you do? So what I'm hearing is there's going to be another episode with Rafi. Yeah. <laughs> Especially between the two of us because we've had a lot of different jobs. Yeah. Oh like we've my worked gosh. in like every field. Yeah. And not to say like we know what we're doing like we're still young we're still figuring things out we haven't done everything but we, have we haven't been like executive directors have you been an executive director no i've been a president okay yeah but not paid yes. unfortunately yeah so there's like <laughs> a lot of different things that you go through with like different people yeah and like what if you have a difficult teacher or difficult prof i've had a difficult teacher they had to call my mom in oh my goodness <laughs> Because I stormed out of the class and told this teacher that, like, whatever degree they paid for, mm-hmm. they should return it because they have no idea oh, yes, what they're that's doing. Right. Uh, my partner's having that with his sociology teacher. Oh, that's fun. She is was talking about somebody and was like, they passed away in like 1915 or something, and then they said, went on and later said like something about how that person during like World War Two, and. Huh? My partner, Neil, is a history major, and he's like, didn't you just say that they died before World War II? So it was, like, weird stuff where it was like, wait, what? Like, you just... What? Hmm. Yeah. So, like, I think she has, like, a PhD, so it's like, I think she's very well educated. Just not gifted in teaching. 
I think that's what it is. Because yeah. I'm like, obviously, like, she has a PhD. Like, she knows something. Yeah. But maybe, like, doing the presentations and stuff is just not her strong suit. That's Possibility. Mm-hmm. All right. So we have some photos to take. Yes. And I don't know about you, but I'm a little hungry. Again, I, I know this is like the third time I'm eating. No water. Before. Yeah, but you always eat. Literally always. I'm eating in meetings. <laughs> See, and I'm always told I'm like a bird that I eat a little bit, but like sporadically. Same. And now I just eat big meals. so I don't have to deal with it. But then I end up eating more big meals than small yeah. meals. It's it's foolishness. Okay. But yeah. Okay. Thank you for listening. <laughs> Thank you for coming to the podcast. You're welcome. I drove all the way here. I know. Three and a half hours. Three and a half hours. Just for this. I appreciate you. And brunch tomorrow. And brunch tomorrow. (laughs) Brunch tomorrow. I am so happy for you. I wish you all the best in your new job. I'm not going to cry. No. I... I'm so glad I got the opportunity to work with you. Thank you. You have taught me a lot. You have been part of my growth journey. Yes, me too. And I always, I always find like I need somebody around me that's more blunt to kind of like <laughs> encourage me to do the same. Yeah, and I, I, ha- I had an intern once. We can talk about this another time. But I had an intern once that was like her strong suit. She is like, I will rip you to shreds if you get me to that point. Like yeah. I'll do it. And I was like, yeah, but like, it's like, isn't that like you know, cause problems? And she's like, I'd rather cause a problem and have it resolved than this go on for months. And I was just like, Damn, yeah, okay. Because I don't have time. I want sleep. Like, let's yes. not. Like, I'm not. I'm not giving you the emotional space for this. No, we're not beating around the bush. No. I'm cutting so through it. So that's why it's like I like <laughs> having coworkers that are like you, like a little bit more blunt, a little bit more aggressive. Because yeah. then it's like, okay, I'm allowed to do this. Absolutely. I can be to that level. Please yeah. and thank you. So- <laughs> Especially in a meeting where we're hearing foolishness, please. So I'm just, I'm looking forward to what your next step is going to be because I know that you're capable of so much Mm -hmm. and just seeing you grow. Don't make me cry. I'm trying not to. Just seeing you grow through Mm -hmm. this time period, seeing your artistry grow through this time period. Mm -hmm. And just everything you've been able to do. And I find like Future North did this for a few of us, brought a lot of confidence. Yeah. Where it was like, we actually know what we're doing Mm -hmm. and we're respected and like you can speak your mind. So I feel like that's something that I think I noticed when we both started, because we started like relatively close to each other, but now it's like, we're very upfront. Yeah. And we're more authentic. We're more like, this is who I am. This is how it is. Deal with it. <laughs> Deal with it. Um, and that, some people will see that as a flaw, but it usually it makes you more human. Yeah. So people connect with you because they relate to like that feeling. Absolutely. They're like, oh, you're stressed? I get it. Oh, you're frustrated? Me too. You're tired? You're same. tired? Same. Like, it's good. It's good to have that. And I hope you have that as you move on to this new job. Me too. Or else I'm going to be the one that does it. <laughs> I'll be the Jaleese of the office. Oh my gosh. That'd be crazy. But it would also be really good for you. I'm going to be working around like some construction crews. So oh, I might wow. have to. Uh, yeah. Yeah. So I might have to be a little bit like, I know what I'm doing. I know I'm making a TikTok, but like, I know what I'm doing. And also, how is that going to work? Let's be realistic. Yeah. Like, how is that going to work? Um, I have to get steel toe boots. 
Oh. Yeah, because I'm going to be on a construction site sometimes because they're building like this big building and I'm doing marketing and fundraising for it. That's amazing. So it's like I'm going to be on site sometimes. And like, yeah, sometimes when you do graphic design, it's like, haha, I'm going to take like a silly little video. And to them, they're like, I don't get it. And then mm. you're like, yeah, but like this is now our entire brand. Yeah. And this is what's making us big. This is yeah. what's getting us known. And it's like, it's not a really silly bit little video, is it now? Oh. Well, I believe in you. And uh, as you can tell, we talk a lot. So yes. when we're ending a conversation, there's never really an end. <laughs> it's uh, okay, I gotta go. Yeah. <laughs> and now we gotta go. So <laughs> stay tuned for the next episode. Thank you again, Rafi, for coming you, all this way. Thank you for having me. And it's an absolute pleasure. Please come back anytime. Please. Like anytime you want. I don't care. I will put giggles. Every time I go to Sudbury, <laughs> I'll let you know. I will put baby giggles over all of your uh, words. Oh <laughs> yes, because when I don't work here, I can swear. Because I won't get in trouble. Right? Because when I work here, I'm like, I can't swear. Because like, that's not professional. But if I'm coming in as like a friend, I can do whatever I want. Oh my goodness, that's gonna be so much power. Oh, we can get into like some crazy conversations with that. Oh, absolutely. We usually do. Yeah. All right, guys. See you next time. Bye.